Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. All right, tonight we're going to be in the book of James, and uh, you know, we're going to be talking about the origin of war. My goodness, what in the world are we going to talk about with that? You'll find out, all right? And uh, we may, you know, war may be a little dramatic. <laughs> Over dramatic for tonight's purposes, but nonetheless, that is the word in the scripture that we're going to be reading later uh, in, the, in, in, in the book of James. And uh, before we begin reading our key scripture, let me tell you what I heard from God this morning. I tried to catch my first thoughts when I wake up because of the book of Job in Job chapter 33, verses 14 and 15. The Bible says that God speaks to us in our nighttime. God says when we finally get quiet, when we finally get still, you know, even though he's tried to talk to us all day long, when we finally get still, he can speak to us in our nighttime. He opens our ears and seals our instructions is what uh, Job says in chapter 33. And so I, you know, I'm so busy minded all day long, it might be difficult for God to get through to me, you know, and uh, so when I'm asleep at night, I generally post questions to God before I go to sleep or, or open up my heart to him or I ask him to speak to me. I'll ask him to speak to me in a dream. I'll ask him to speak to me in my nighttime. And so I'm conscious, consistently conscious, and generally write it down when God speaks to me early in the morning in that waking moment. You know how it is be, be, between sleep and waking when you're just catching that first one? I, I try to catch what it is that is escaping me, that, 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 that's going to get lost in my busyness and I'm not watchful. And many times um, I have found that that's when God um, communes with me and sets a tone for the day or for something else. There are two things that God generally speaks, uh, you know, that, that I hear God for. Number one is what God wants to say to me. Uh, and, you know, that's different sometimes than what God wants to say through me. And many times when God speaks to me, I have to ask him, Lord, are you speaking that to me or is that something you're wanting to speak through me? Because during the day, every day, we encounter people and I encounter a number of people that just may need some type of word. And I like to be armed. I like to be ready. I like to be instant in season and out of season. And many, many times God might give me something just for that person. But I also carry around this loaded weapon of the gospel of Christ Jesus. I carry the spirit of God around everywhere. And, and carrying that spirit of God around, God gives me an arsenal of things to say. And he brings to remembrance things he said to me. And so this morning, whenever I was just waking up, the spirit of God just, just spoke to me and I caught this and he said, everything is connected. You know, that's what I heard this morning. I'm not certain about its full meaning. I'll give it to you. Maybe, maybe you can meditate on it and maybe it's like a, a golden nugget that you can, you know, refine down and, and, and make into, um, you know, some piece of jewelry that looks better than it looks right now. This is the nugget of what God said to me. Everything is connected. Now, I'm not certain about its full meaning, but I'm, but I'm certain that it's connected to everything somehow. Okay, that's a... <laughs> you... And me, we are connected, okay? You and I, we're connected. We're connected to things that are good, to things that are bad, to the past, to the future, to everything God has done, everything he's doing, and everything he will do. We are connected. We are all connected. We are connected to the ups and downs. We're connected to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Everything is connected. We are connected 
and, and, and will be throughout you know, our, our eternal existence. We are connected. Everything is connected. Every, everyone is connected. From the beggar who's under the underpass, who's living there, the homeless man, to, to you know, the investor on Wall Street. We are all connected. We are connected by God. We are connected through God. We are connected to God. We have but one life. We have but one purpose. We have but one chance and one eternity. We are connected. Even heaven and earth is, is connected. From dust we came and to dust we shall return. Everything is connected. God is in all things, has created all things, and by him everything continues. We are connected. Let's not be fooled. You know, try as we may. Nonetheless, we are connected. And the things that I do affects you. And the things that you do, it affects me. And the things that other people do, does, they affect us both. Don't imagine that we can live life without affecting other people or live a life without being affected by other people. We are connected. We are connected. And every time, the Bible says every time one of us hurts, every one of us hurts. Every time something good happens to one of us, every one of us is in some way blessed. The ocean, the level of the ocean rises with every drop of water. Every raindrop causes the ocean to rise. It's important that we realize that we are connected. God spoke to me this morning and told me that everything is connected. I perhaps need to pay a little more attention to making sure that my brothers and my sisters, my friends and even my enemies come under some umbrella of blessing and prayer. That the things that I think might never, the wind and the waves might never impact me, yet they do. If they impact anyone, they impact me. These are things I think that we need to be conscious of. Not even a bird can fall from the sky without God's knowledge. He finds food for every animal every day. What can we say but we are connected? What can we say but this God of the universe who breathed life into this barren earth, into this desolate world, this God that shined light upon that darkness, and this God who breathed into the nostrils of clay fashioned in his image brought life to mankind. We are connected. We're connected. It's time that we looked around and realized that God has a purpose in connecting all things to himself and connecting us to all things. Well, as I said, from dust we came and to dust we shall return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Are you ready for the word tonight? We're going to the book of James, as I said, and James, we left off last week. We're going to pick up about where we left off last week. We're going to be in James, the fifth chapter, in verse number 16. We'll pop around a place or two, but this is going to be our key scripture tonight. In, in James, chapter 5, verse 16, the Bible says, confess your trespasses to one another. Now, remember, this is Pastor James, who's been the pastor of this church for perhaps three decades He's writing a word to people, helping them and hoping to help them understand and embrace and live life. He says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. 
Now this element of confession is an important doctrine to the church and, and it is a powerful tool in the hands of a believer. It's available to each one of us, this power of confessing. In this case, confessing our trespasses. Confession in this sense not only makes us right with God, but also makes us right with one another. This particular verse in James, when it says confess your trespasses to one another, this is not classically talking about sin, not the sin that we do against God, okay? Let me, let me bring two categories of, of trespasses before us right now. One trespass we recognize as sin against God. One trespass is dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ. Sin, that type of sin, has a condemning power. That type of sin can condemn your soul to hell. It's dealt with by the blood of Jesus. And once we apply the blood of Jesus to our life and we are born again, the damning power of sin is dealt with. Sin has no more power to damn a person to hell. But sin also has a governing power to govern our lives. And if we submit our lives to sin after we are born again, then we must also ask, as 1 John 1, 9 says, we must ask God, we must confess those sins to God. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That sin that we do against God is one type of confession. But here, Pastor James is not writing about that type of sin. It's completely two different Greek words, two different, completely different Greek concepts. Here, Pastor James is not writing in James 5.16 about the sin that we do particularly and specifically against God that we must go before him and confess those sins before him and be cleansed by the blood of Christ so that we can be forgiven. Rather, these trespasses are the trespasses which we commit against one another. Okay? Now, I don't hear this often taught because it seems like a fine line. Because if we trespass against one another, aren't we also offending God in some ways? Yes, perhaps. But the sins that we do against God fall into a different category. And though we should go to God and ask him for forgiveness for offending our brother or casting a stumbling block or being angry or, or saying something bad, yet we also owe our brothers some modicum of respect some measure to understand that we are sincerely apologetic for the hurts, the pains, the injustices, the faults, the problems we have caused, for the offenses we have created, and these are those trespasses, specifically the trespasses we commit against each other. I love that God has covered all the bases for us. He's covered the bases of saying, you confess your sin to me, I'll be faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. He's also said, confess your trespasses to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. Well, James, the fifth chapter, discusses this bigger picture of healing. And in order for us to, to understand, remember, everything is connected, okay? In order to understand any one verse... To correctly interpret one verse, we must not only 
look at it in what it says, but also in the context of the verses surrounding it. Scripture must be interpreted by Scripture in order to be correctly interpreted, but it must also be interpreted in light of the context as well as who it is written to and the reason it is written and what the hoped outcome of that verse was. Because we can take a scripture out of context. We can take a scripture out of uh, it, 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 its world. We can't just say the words. Or else I could say to you, you know, um, your wife shall be a harlot in the streets. That's what one scripture says. Okay. How many of you would like to embrace that? Is that a word from God for you? No. It is the word of God. But we must take it in the context of who it was written to, why it was written, and what was the intended outcome of that scripture. Am I making any sense? Because there's another verse that I could follow it up with, and we just want to chain verses together. We can chain some of these verses. Your, your wife shall be a heart in the streets. Go down and do likewise. If I just want to chain scriptures together, chain after chain after chain, like link after link after link after link, I can say pretty much anything I want and say, but that's the word of God. But that's not the Word of God. Remember last week we talked about the Word of God is not the Word of God unless it is the Word of God. It only means what God said it means. He only means what God meant by it. It doesn't mean what we mean by it, and it doesn't mean what we can put it together. We can't take the Word of God and go pushing people around, manipulating people, and painting our own picture. God's only painting one picture. The, the whole Bible only tells one story. The whole Bible, and, and if that verse is not interpreted in light of the one story God is telling, then you have the wrong interpretation. There's only one story God is telling. You cannot interpret any scripture outside of that one story. There's only one picture God is painting. It is the picture of Jesus Christ. It is the story of redemption. And every scripture has to tie into redemption. Every, every scripture has to say that God is a good God. He loves us. He has a plan for our life. And if we can't read it in that way, we need to keep reading. We don't need to stop there. You watch shall be hard in the streets. Don't stop there. And Peter denied Christ. Don't stop there. Okay? Or you'll, you can preach Peter right into hell. One time I heard a preacher preach Peter into hell. It was my associate pastor. I was sitting on the platform with him, and he looked over at me, and I looked at him, and I went, I don't know how he got Peter in hell, <laughs> but I couldn't get him out. I, I didn't know how he got there. But, but uh, you know, he just stopped in the wrong place. You can't, you, you can't, you know, in context, in order to understand James 5.16, we have to read it in light of what, what the context. Why is James saying this? Well, he's talking to us about healing. He's talking to us about what we can do as churchgoers, as Bible believers, as born-again Christians. What can we do to impact and to affect our healing? The healing that was promised us through Jesus Christ. What can we do? Well, he simply says here, as, as, as we look at it in context, that, that uh, you know, whether through God's inter divine intervention or whether through some biological process whereby confession relieves stress and anxiety and guilt, whatever the process is, that God knows and is inspired by the Holy Spirit, James to write to us, he knows that when we are willing to confess 
our faults, our trespasses, our injuries, when we are willing to come before other people and to humbly and honestly and sincerely say, we were wrong, forgive us. I should not have done that. This is what I did. This is what, you know, this was an offense. This was wrong. Whenever we are willing to honestly and humbly do that, there is some spiritual power that is released. And whether it is the platform by which God steps out on in his divine intervention to say, be thou healed, or whether it is just the release of guilt and stress and anxiety and, and shame that we are released from, the burden of guilt, that burden of sin, that weight because we have slandered a friend, because we have, have, have stolen, because we have you know, uh, uh, taken you know, uh, uh, something that didn't belong to us, cheated, lied, and all of a sudden we feel that. Now, you and I both know that stress and anxiety, shame, guilt, the burden of regret, harboring bitterness, jealousy, envy, strife, anger against others or because of others can cause us to get sicker than we would have been and cause the sickness not only to be worse but prolonged. And it can even, if we harbor that trespass, if we hide it, if we shelter it, even though the Holy Spirit is dealing with us, if we are not watchful, it can keep us out of the blessings of God. The Bible says God will not withhold any good thing from those who walk up rightly before him. Now, I'm not preaching that God's going to put sickness and disease on you. I don't believe that not one bit, not at all. He is the God that's doing his best to heal us. And that's what Pastor James is saying. It's very, very important that we deal with the sin that we commit against God. But it's also important when we are wrestling with guilt, when we are wrestling with, with, with you know, a regret, when we are wrestling with shame, when we are wrestling with the burden of what we might have done, might have caused, even though others may not know it it's important that we honestly and humbly be willing to confess our trespasses to one another <laughs> hey this is pretty good stuff as I said this Greek word that's translated trespasses is not the same Greek word translated sin this particular word is only seen 23 times in the New Testament and it deals with faults. It deals with, with, um, uh, with you know, um, um, those things that, that we might do, that, that we should not do. In specific, in James's case, he's pointing at it, those things which we might do that harm or that is against or that trespasses against a neighbor, a friend. This concept of trespasses, these trespasses are those infractions which people commit against one another. Whether done in secret or in public, from slander to theft, from lying to hatred. You know, although sickness is not the result of personal sin, that's not what I believe. I don't believe that if you're sick, you're in sin. Okay? I think that's very cruel to suggest that. 
I don't find that scriptural. I don't find that under the doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I have found that trespasses committed against others without being healed from those trespasses can cause us not to feel like we are in right standing with God. Confessing these trespasses to someone else and receiving prayer can remove that obstacle, can remove the guilt, the stress, the shame associated with that offense. Confessing your faults, confessing your trespasses to another person may not change them, but it will change you. Now, I'm not suggesting, and please do not, leave this service and go tell everybody everything you've ever done about them. That is not the purpose of Pastor James. Don't take this word and go be tearing up stuff, okay? That's not the purpose. But the clear indication as we proceed through the gospel of James is that if you are encountering sickness and disease that you are not being able to rid yourself of, and if you go before God and ask him to show you if there's anything standing in the way of you receiving the fullness of his divine performance of healing in your life, and he reveals something to you that you feel guilty about, that you feel anxious about, that you feel shame about, then confessing that trespass to another person. The Bible is not even specific as to which person or what person or if it's the person that you offended, that that's the one that you confess to. Some people have died and gone on to heaven uh, and you can't confess anything to them. I don't think God would limit that so that, so that we could not be, but there are other indications from other scriptures about if you offend someone, go to them. And if they offend you, go to them. But those are those scriptures. This particular instance here, I believe that James is giving us an indication that confession is good for the soul. Evidently, it's good for the body as well. Find someone who is trusted, who is confidential, someone who has a motivation to pray for you, who loves you and cares about you, and bear your soul if you are in that situation. If you are sick, and you find the burden of shame and guilt weighing upon you, if you find yourself waking up and feeling as though that something is absent from your life, some right standing, some shadow, some haunting demon that's telling you that there's no way that God's going to heal you because you did this, then you can deal with that by confessing that fault to another who will pray for you, and you pray for the one that you have offended. Whether they're living dead, whether they're around you or know about it or not. And give God his greatest opportunity to put you on a platform of right standing with him. God does not want us to think we are right with him when we're not right with our fellow man. He said, if you do not love your brother that you can see, you don't love me. He said, if you hate your brother and say you love me, you're a liar. That's God's word. Okay? Jesus said, forgive and you will be forgiven. These things are very basic to us. That we are held accountable 
for the trespasses we commit against other people. Don't think for a moment that you can take your anger and rage out on someone else, whether you know them or not. And you can speak slanderously or, or you know, vulgarly or violently towards others and be right with God. You cannot. And sometimes the key to getting that burden off your shoulder, to getting that weight out of your life, and to getting that, that, that hold, that spiritual hold that the devil has on you of shame and guilt is to bear your soul to someone who loves you and cares about you. Okay? Now don't go putting it on Facebook. Okay? Don't put your sin on Facebook. And for goodness sake, don't put anybody else's sin on Facebook. Okay? That's not the platform for complaint. Okay? You'll find yourself having to apologize to 500 million people. Okay? Okay. Well, we certainly all agree that things on earth would be much better if people would just learn to say, I'm sorry. Right? Now, there's bound to be at least one thing in life that you have ever done that you are sorry about. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Okay? The Bible says if there's not one thing you're sorry about, then, then you're a liar. That's what it says. Okay? He who says he has no sin is a liar. Okay? So how about let's just practice one time. Just look at the person next to you and just say, I'm sorry. It didn't mean you did anything to them, but I'm sorry. You know what you're sorry for. I'm sorry. Okay, we need to practice that a little bit more. It'd be better if people just did what was right altogether, but I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, at any rate, uh, if we were to look back up into James, and we looked a little bit up, you know, j- just to continue in the context, and look back up at James chapter 3, we would find that James... Pastor James says that people on earth draw their wisdom out of two different pools. Even born-again believers draw their wisdom out of two pools. James, the third chapter, in the end of that chapter. He said they draw it out of the wisdom of the world, which is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Or else they draw it out of the pool of God's wisdom. Okay? Either earthly wisdom... Or heavenly wisdom. And heavenly wisdom, the Bible says, is first pure and then peaceable and gentle and willing to yield. Willing to yield. Willing to yield. Willing, willing to, 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 to say, you know, okay, I was wrong. You were right. Okay? That's one of the attributes of God's wisdom. Is that we're willing to actually own up to the things that that we have done instead of protecting ourselves with some prideful advance. You know, uh, it's full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. If we continued in that thought of chapter 3, we get into chapter 4. And Pastor James is still talking about this. You know, the wisdom that descends from above, God's wisdom, is pure and peaceable and gentle. And, 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 and we learn to say, you know, I'm sorry. That was my fault. You know, let's do it your way. You know, you're right. Okay? That's, that's the wisdom 
that, that, that we should have from God instead of that is earthly and sensual and devilish and protective and, and prideful. So we, it, you know, he's, he's saying this and he gets here in, in his explanation before he gets to the confession. And he says in chapter 4, verse 1, where do wars and fights come from? Hence, <laughs> the title of my message, The Origin of War. Okay? War. Now, he's talking here just, just about us, among us. He calls it war. <laughs> Any of you ever been in a war? Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. We're at warfare all the time, even in our own souls, our minds, our hearts. He says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Writing to the Christians. Where do the fussing and the fighting and all that stuff among us, where in the world did the church learn to fight like this? <laughs> where did Christians learn to fight like this? Where did God's kids learn to go to war against one another? Not just the Catholics and the Protestants, okay? Not just the history of all that has been done in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Come on now, this stuff is good. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? Now, let me, let me, let me, let me break this down. Does it not come from the fact that you want to be pleased? You want what you want. You want what you think should be. You want what you think is best. You want to be pleased. Now, this, this is the bottom line for, for every fight, for every war. Somebody wanted to be pleased. Somebody wanted something somebody else had, and those other people wouldn't give it, couldn't give it, wouldn't give it, shouldn't give it. And I want it anyway, and I'm going to take it because it's mine. That's where fights and fusses is because somebody is absent of something that pleases them. And many times they're reaching for something that won't please. And they can't ever be satisfied by the thing that they're getting. And all it does is continues to store, uh, it's a stir up. And, it, and, and it's like, you know, warring in our members, you know, uh, that, 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 that this war is in the inside of us. In turmoil, wanting what we want. I want what I want, what I want. Where do wars come from? Well, they come from people. Even born-again believers. Even people going to church together, sitting on the same pew. Fussing, fighting, arguing, sitting there, condemning. Not in here, of course. I'm talking about that one church we know of, and we, we, we've talked about it before. It's in Iowa somewhere. Okay. <laughs> No one here, no one here would sit at the dinner table with family that they don't care for and they know that they, those family don't care about them either. Nobody here would, you know, yeah. Okay, y'all got it? It's, where does it come from? It comes from what's going on in the, on the inside of people because dadgummit, 
I want what I want, and they want what want they want, and what they want is not what I want, and what I want is not what they want, and then neither one of us is willing to yield. Neither one of us is drawing out of that pool of God's wisdom. Neither one of us, and so we're continually offending one another, and things are happening in life that we can't deal with, and we leave there angrier than we came. We leave there, you know, burdened with shame and guilt from the Holy Spirit trying to get us to just go ahead and open up our hearts and honestly and humbly be sorry for having just wanted what we wanted. That's called being selfish. It's called being carnal, as the Apostle Paul put it. Pastor James, again, is just talking about pulling out of that earthly wisdom. Pulling out just what everybody else does. Just treating other people like they treat me. Now, I imagine that you, in these cases, are the offended party. It's somebody else that's wanting what they want. It's somebody else that's being ungodly, and you're just trying to be nice, but there's no way in the world you can give them what they're asking for because, I mean, I'm, and first of all, they aren't even asking. They're just kind of trying to take it, okay? So let's talk about them. Carnal Christians with an insatiable thirst to be pleased in a continual war, war with themselves and war with everybody in their world that doesn't agree with them. Y'all know them, right? Okay. <laughs> I love this preaching thing. This is the best gig I ever got, let me tell you. If you're looking for something to do, get into preaching, okay? Man, it's just, it's just you know. <laughs> the only measure that some people have for what is best is what's best for them. That's the only thing they see. And that's what he said. Where do wars come from? Where do fights come from? Well, uh, you know, uh, they come from people, you know, among you who are just looking to be pleased. And there's a war that's going around in their lives all the time. In verse 2, he says, you lust and you do not have. Oh, my goodness, that lust is an ugly word, isn't it? Lust is an ugly word. What is lust? Well, lust is the polar opposite of love. Oh, you thought hate was? Nah. Hate's just evil. Lust is the opposite of love. Lust simply says that, you know, I want and you got to give. Lust takes while love gives. And lust says I am the important one. Love says you are the important one. Lust is a consumer. Love fulfills and replenishes. You lust and you do not have. That's because lust can't satisfy. You murder and covet. What does that mean in Christian terms? Well, Jesus said if you just speak evil about your brother, it's the same as murdering. Okay? You're talking about other people. You're murdering them. You're coveting. You want what they want. You, you, you know... You want them to give you what they got. Do what you want. You murder and you covet, and yet you still don't have what you want. Why? Because the war's in here. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Amazing. Whatever happened to prayer? Whenever you was wanting something. But when you ask, you don't always get it. Well, that's what he covers next. 
You ask and you do not receive. Why? Because you're still asking out of that earthly pool of wisdom because it's still just only what you want. It's still just all about you. So asking God for things that, you know, they don't fulfill God's will and they're not good for anybody else and it's for nobody else's benefit, God's not obligated to give you something belongs to somebody else or give you something that is going to hurt somebody else. You know, it's not all about you. You ask and you don't get it. You even ask your family for money and don't get it. Why? Because you're just asking to go out and spend on something that you don't need. Don't think that just asking for it means you're supposed to get it. <laughs> oh, listen, Pastor James is doing a good job here, isn't he? He's doing a good job explaining here that, that sometimes the way we treat others is offensive. And sometimes it affects how we feel. And it can even affect not only our mental and emotional health, but our physical health. Just because we have a habit of thinking that we ought to get what we want and what we ask for, other people ought to give. And, and if it's good for us, it's got to be God's will. Pastor James said, no. He said, sometimes when you ask, and first of all, a lot of times you don't ask, you just want to take. But even when you do pray, even when you do ask God, even when you do ask others, they're not obligated to give it to you if all you're doing is still just trying to get them to do what you you want because out of that carnal heart you can never be satisfied it's like trying to pay somebody's bills it won't work you can't fill that hole up that's why God said don't work don't eat okay okay well I have to stop right here it was going to get good here in a minute because verse 4 starts talking about adulterers and adulteresses Ooh, I liked that one. And he wasn't talking about sex. He's talking about a departure from things we ought to be connected to and caring about and loving and promoting, which is one another. Okay, maybe we can get back to it, okay? I love you guys. <laughs> 